May I help you, sir? How much for an order of ribs? Uh, two fifty. Two fifty. How many ribs do I get with that? Uh, about five. Five. So I guess that's about fifty cents a rib, huh? Yeah, about. Okay, let me get one. Right on. One order. One order of ribs. No, 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 no. One rib. One rib. I sure am hungry. Uh, make that one rib to go. One rib? One rib. What else? You got any soda? One dollar. Oh, come on now. Look out for a brother, man. Come on. Hey, check this out. Why don't you let me get a sip for 15 cents? My cups cost more than 15 cents. All right, fuck the cup. Pour it in my hand for a dime. Everybody. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. That doesn't take itself too seriously. That's right, folks. Welcome back to the show. Another exciting week here, not taking ourselves seriously and <laughs> talking about the motherfucking magic of Hollywood and movies the, and the, the silver screen flicks. and the flicks. <laughs> You know them, uh, yeah. you love them. They're flickies. <laughs> They're from some people call them flickies, and that's okay. Um, this is the third week of the third council. Wait, right? Third? Third, God. yes. Uh, uh, this is, we, are, we are in the midst of marsh exploitation. Yes, marsh exploitation. Um, we talk watching about watching exploitation movies and, uh, and things that are kind of hovering around them. <laughs> this is the we're talking about the the magic of uh, making a bunch of people do things they're embarrassed to do for money. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we did uh, we first did Coonskin. That was a very nice movie. That honestly, in itself, I feel like it's in terms of actually doing exploitation. Uh, we've really only done one. Like Coonskin is a movie that is referencing black exploitation, uh, and sort but, of making it, it kind of also is, but it's also an animated movie. Yeah, but I was gonna say it, it is kind of like uh, it's more of a scream than it is a scary movie, right? Where like it is doing exploitation movie while you know poking at the exploitation movie, whereas uh, our film this week, um, I'm gonna get you, sucker. Yeah, uh, it is more of a scary movie. In fact, it involves the guys who go on to make scary movie. <laughs> Literally the same director, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans. Uh, but we are not going to talk about Mr. Wayans just yet. Uh, we have to go and do our time-honored tradition of asking Jeremy, "What did you watch this week?" Thank you for asking, Bryn. Um, I have recently, as of the past couple of weeks, really, but uh, more so in the past week, I have been watching the 
American neo-Western drama television series, Yellowstone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, why have you been watching that? Uh, well, I ran out of shows, and um, That's my, my wife is not a big rewatcher, so she's not interested in watching The Sopranos with me. Um, mm-hmm. So we need something to watch together. And uh, I say, I you know I have um, whatever this is on Peacock. I have Peacock for soccer reasons, and uh-huh. um, and so we're oh, trying to I go see. through all the Peacock shows and be like, okay, what are we? What can we cram before the Premier League season ends? And I cancel Peacock again. Now, does um, your wife like like foot the footy? She's she does. Into it? She likes it fine. She's not like uh, <laughs> it's not an enthusiastic yes. Not an enthusiastic but, yes. However, she is as as am I extremely excited about the still undefeated four and O St. Louis City SC. <laughs> they said it couldn't be done, folks. They said it couldn't be done. <laughs> Bryn is putting in, uh, or no, this is mine to edit, isn't it? Um, yeah, you got it. <laughs> uh, I'm putting in applause behind this. I'm putting in a studio <laughs> audience going absolutely fucking wild. <laughs> four O and O. We keep winning. Um. Now, how many games are there in this in the season? Thirty something before the playoff. Do you know how many? It's like thirty something. Oh wow! So you have to win, win four times many. Yeah, like- but so the the playoff structure is really stupid, and um, it's very easy to get in. There's like nine teams make it from each division, so like more than half. <laughs> oh cool more than half of the teams will make the playoffs and um for that reason making the playoffs is really more an exercise in reaching 50 points for the season than it is anything else so mm. we're already 12 points in so pretty good math it's looking good right. looking so pretty good <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't like does it rank these wins higher as they're earlier or lower no nothing like that nothing like that but it's it's i don't know i th- I've been trying to like find a way to express this to people and I really haven't quite come up with the right way to say it. But like people think of sports as being linear because they happen on a calendar. You know what I mean? Like people think of like <laughs> Aren't they linear? <laughs> no. What I mean is like the way that I think of the season is you make it to the playoffs if you get fifty points. Right. That's about what you need to make it to the playoffs. You need fifty points over the season. And by points you mean goals. No, by points, I mean like wins or draws. Wins are three points. Draws are one point. You need about 50 to make it to the playoffs. <laughs> oh, right. I think I remember this part. You do remember from a this. Bonus episode. We talked about this. And, um, <laughs> you said one win was three and draw was one? Win is three. Draw is one. Yeah. Okay. And you need 50. And you need about 50 to make it to the playoffs. And so the way I think of it is rather than like we're starting off good and like later we'll get patchy and then, you know, we'll hit some consistency later or whatever. Like people think of like, people think of sports in the schedule of it. Whereas I think Mm -hmm. of it as like, we're making points on the board now. Doesn't matter when, but they're points on the board. You know what I mean? Like, so if you win, let's see the first 15 games, mm -hmm. you have 45 points. Correct. No draws. And then you uh, draw five, and then you lose the rest. Are you basically in? Yes. Really? You'd be pretty hard-pressed to not make the playoffs with that. So this is great. 
Yes, you're exactly. On, you're on the way. It's points on the board. It's point, and more importantly, it's points taken away from conference rivals. That's also a big part of the sure the economics of this. They have to make it up now. Yes, they're, exactly. they're already behind. They're behind. They're long behind. There are only so many points they to couldn't, get. They couldn't dream. <laughs> they couldn't dream of such dizzying highs as the uh, twelve points from four games. Oh, right. 12 points. 12 points. Very nice. It's a beautiful thing. Anyway, I have been watching Yellowstone. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is by that Taylor Sheridan guy. Yes. He's some kind of... Is he some kind of fascist? Uh, I is wouldn't he, be he like terribly crazy? surprised. He... Um, <laughs> What did he make? He made um He made Tulsa King Tulsa and King Yellowstone Sicario. Was Heller, he an actor before this? Is that why he's around? Yeah, what did yeah, he do he, before this? Sons of Anarchy. Oh, he was in Sons of Anarchy. He was David Hale in Sons of Anarchy. He was also on Veronica Mars as Danny Boyd. Oh, this guy. That guy. Yes. Okay. So He's this, in the Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame. <laughs> So this makes a lot of sense. So Yellowstone tells the story of the Dutton family and they are okay. sort of like a um they are a power broker family out in Montana. They are ranchers. Uh they have a big huge plot of land where they ranch cattle and horses and shit and um they uh uh they they make passing reference to this. I don't know if it's completely supposed to be true or or just kind of like an exaggeration, but they say that their ranch is the size of Rhode Island. Uh it is okay. in story it is the largest ranch in America. He's also got some sort of government job. He's the commissioner of of livestock. And you said uh, in Rhode John Island Dunn, the dad. Um no, this is in Montana. Their ranch is the size of Rhode Island. Oh the God, okay, okay. <laughs> That's how much land they own. Um well, right. That's pretty big. And so the uh, the series tells the story of John Dutton, the patriarch of the family, uh, and his uh, shithead kids, every single one of them a different kind of piece of garbage, and uh, <laughs> always kind of a, th- a thorn in his side, and yet the only thing he lives for. And okay. um, th- it's all about their power struggles with um, uh, uh, developers who have moved to Montana to gentrify it and turn it into a cool mountain town place. Uh, and also the Native Americans who are also trying to steal his land and um, the government who are uh, not doing enough to keep people from stealing his land. It's really all about land and holding it and not letting all anybody right. else use it. That's basically what the big thing of the show is. Uh, it's also about, you know, family and legacy and all that sort of you know, bullshit. Oh, and um, fake bullshit. All that fake fucking bullshit. <laughs> Um, it's an interesting show. I am intrigued in it, but in, in a few levels, one being that it is kind of considered a prestige show. You know, it's kind of, it's a big show. It's very, very popular. Uh, a lot of it's people watch Costner it. In it. It's got Costner. Kevin, he plays John Cotton, the patriarch of the family. Uh-huh. Uh, people consider it to be kind of like a prestige, you know, good show. And I think it is, you know, largely trash. I watch it kind of the mm. way that you would watch a like novella. It's like, you know, every episode <laughs> somebody dies. Every episode, like, there's some sort oh, of wow. big high drama that has to be sorted out. And like, <laughs> it's very, very melodramatic. Um, there's a character, Casey, the, the youngest sibling of the Dutton family, who is 
a former U.S. Navy SEAL uh, who is now living mm-hmm. on a reservation with his Native American wife and son, and uh, every literally every episode, Casey murders somebody, and they have to <laughs> like figure out a way to get Casey out of the trouble of murdering somebody. This is like m- present day, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's not like the Wild West where you just like nope. shoot a guy. Nope, it's Montana so how- where apparently you can just shoot a guy and dump him on the side of the highway, and you might. It's your- just land. get away with it. <laughs> um, It'll be funny. Wait, what season are you in? Just the first season. I've only watched okay. like maybe like seven episodes. There are five. Yeah, and um, there's also prequel series. Uh, I'm reading about the, that. The previous generations of the Dutton family and what awesome things they probably did to the Native Americans on their <laughs> way into owning that much of Montana. Um, Faith Hill is in one of the spinoffs. Faith Hill and Tim McGraw are in the are, are like the main yes. characters. So this is the other thing that I find very interesting about it is that it is kind of now positioned as the like, you know, the like the same way that Top Gun Maverick was, where it's like conservatives are rallying around it, being like it's the anti woke, like finally the yeah. based TV show we can all love uh, <laughs> that tells our story and the way that we live. Um, Who? <laughs> we being the you know the middle class suburban texans who yeah, drive the, the four-door pickup trucks who see themselves as being rural adjacent right even though they you know moved there from fucking delaware and own a and even if they did even if they didn't yeah they like <laughs> the, they they've lived in the suburbs their entire lives they've never done farm work in their entire life Right, they um, wear a cowboy hat and a button down. <laughs> yeah, they go to the rodeo, which I went to this weekend. They go to the rodeo wearing a cowboy hat that they wear two, three times a year. Um, right. And they have one of those pickup trucks that can't fit anything in the flatbed because they keep adding new seats to the back. <laughs> I hate those cars. But anyway, I, I was very intrigued by its positioning culturally as as this sort of like conservative you know, beacon because in the first episode, the very first episode, the conflict of it is that um, there's some cows on the Dutton Ranch, Yellowstone, and they wander through a bit of broken fence onto the native reservation. And I guess there's some sort of a rule of no gibbsies backsies here, where if the cows go on the, the native land, then that's just theirs now. Um, <laughs> okay. And so the mission it's of the, the episode of is... What they usually call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. No gives these backsies Indian style. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they uh the 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 Native American givers meaning you're never getting anything. <laughs> the the thrust of the episode is that they have to like figure out a way to get the cows back uh because they're worth a lot of money or whatever. Um so they steal them back from the Native Americans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> uh-huh. um, they uh, they go, they do this like secret like fucking, because they're, they're you know, billionaires. So they have access to like crazy, and they also, you know, the, the dad is the livestock commissioner. So he has access to like, you know, like military shit. Like he has like a helicopter. They have like, <laughs> you know, a ton of guns, like Jeeps, mm-hmm. whatever. And so they go in the middle of the night to go try to steal the cows back. And some of the native guys are there and they're shooting at them because they're trespassing and it c- turns into a big gunfight and the cops come and uh, try to break it up and whatever. Uh, and Casey, mm. uh, getting himself into trouble as he likes to, uh, he kills one of the natives who are shooting at his brother, even though he's kind of siding with the natives on this. 
Uh, he wants to protect his brother because it's personal for him. And he shoots this native guy. And this is what I wanted to get to is that before shooting him, he like gets him in the chest a couple times. And the guy's like kind of like struggling. He's like, Casey, why? And he goes up to him. He's like, by the way, God's not real and neither is heaven and shoots him in the head. <laughs> That is the last thing that he says to a man before doming him. And this is the this is the conservative beacon anti-woke. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're not supposed to be good people. No, they're very much it's, awful people. That's the whole point of the show. It's, it seems like the show is about, like, white landowners who are fucking over Native Americans. Yeah, I kind of think is that... Is that anti-woke? I mean, I think that the Native Americans are also kind of bad guys in this. Like, it's really just about, like, power and, like, you know, shitty power grab sort of stuff. It's very much, I would call it, kind of in in the same genre as, like, uh, Succession and The Sopranos. Okay. Where, like, it's very much about, like, the awful things you do to maintain power and... Um, I don't know how anybody's watching this being like, yeah, dude, John Dutton, <laughs> cool guy. I, I think mean, I he's got his shit that together. <laughs> <laughs> this is a man who's know. got life figured out. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how anyone says that about Tony Soprano. They or did during the time. People I remember and and Walter White too. Yeah, like I can't Walter even tell. White, I, I don't know fucking... any like uh, science losers like that, but I know plenty of fat Italian men who love Tony Soprano and think he's the fucking <laughs> coolest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least he, like, strong-armed people or, like, with the CAD power or whatever. At least but he Walter knows White fun Italian like... curse words. <laughs> yeah, and he's... <laughs> but, like, Walter White is just, like, a sniveling, selfish bitch yeah. who, like, can't hold his own in any fight except one time he uses, a, like rock to blow up a house yeah he makes a magic bomb (laughs) yeah that doesn't make any sense uh Um, yeah there's actually a funny article here called from slate says yellowstone's politics are left and right and american (laughs) nice i kind of feel like what might happen is that like as the seasons go on and the show gets kind of shittier and like you know, it does uh-huh. like the thing that every show does where it kind of like figures out its audience and just kind of plays to them going forward. I could very much imagine a scenario where it starts to be much more like, you know, some PC bitch shows up in this episode and fucking John <laughs> Dutton owns her. <laughs> Do you think you'll keep watching it? Definitely. Like all, yeah. All five seasons. I'm enjoying it enough. I'm very invested in because the one thing that's very, very good about it is it's a great like it's a great family show. It's like um, like not I wouldn't show it to people as a family show, but rather like there's like good family dynamic stuff. I really love like a lot of the conversations that Kevin Costner has with Casey and his wife about their kid and what his role as a grandfather is and whatever like that stuff's really nice and their dynamic is really believable and good. Like okay. all, the, all the best scenes in the show are Kevin Costner playing with his grandson. That's like most of what I'm there for. <laughs> He's so just you're like, just you're just in it for like the Americana propaganda of family. Not even and- Americana propaganda. It's literally <laughs> just like parenting stuff. It's just, yeah, it's, it's literally just being like, wouldn't it be great same. if would it be great if my dad had this kind of relationship with my son? <laughs> <laughs> That's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then every so often they ruin it because like 
you know, there's some sort of like history of abuse there with Casey. And so like the wife will be like, what happened with this thing? They'll be like, well, I branded him because he disobeyed me. And she's like, but you're so tender with your grandson. He's like, that's what being a grandfather's all about. You get to, (laughs) you get to change the things you did wrong with your own kid. Like branding him <laughs> <laughs> with a hot iron. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. It's a pretty good show, though. I wouldn't say it's like it's definitely nothing I would consider great or anywhere near that sort of status of great show. But it's trashy fun and like different. Like it's a different setting and lifestyle and and perspective than you usually see on these kind of shows. So that's cool. Interesting. And it's nice that they see suburban development as bad and suburban people as worms. That's that's also <laughs> that's, a pretty big positive. That's true. <laughs> I, I have to agree with that. Yeah. Wait, aren't you a suburban guy now? No, I live in a city. I don't think that counts. It absolutely does. St. Louis is a city. <laughs> if you ask anybody, if you ask anybody two miles from me where I live... <laughs> Oh, sure. You ask the people in fucking St. Louis County or, God forbid, St. Charles. You ask them where I live. I live in urban hell. I might as well live in, like, fucking... I might as well live in in, in Rio. You live in Southside Chicago. I live in a fucking favela where life is cheap. (laughs) (laughs) No one will help you. Yeah. Um, You have to bribe the police to come to your house. I was going to say Mogadishu, but then I couldn't remember if that was a real place. I think it is. <laughs> um, anyway, no. what, did, what did you watch this week? <laughs> All right, I uh, I watched. Uh, well, I'm still watching the Lord of the Rings, but I haven't finished the Return of the King yet, so I won't talk about that until I finish it. Um, but everyone enjoyed talking about Lord of the Rings on the Discord mm. <laughs> for like two weeks since I've talked, or a like whole week since I've talked about it. So I'll get into it, but not yet. Um, uh. This week, I watched a film just randomly um, called The Laundromat from mm. 2019, uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Um, and it's about uh, the Panama Papers, functionally. Okay. Um, it's basically the big short, but for the Panama Papers. Um, it has like a lot of interweaving stories. Um, it has uh, Gary Oldman and um, who plays the other guy? Uh, Antonio Banderas Looks as like we uh, got, the, uh... The, t- the two lawyers. And they're like narrating directly to the camera being like, we didn't mean for anything bad to happen. It's not our fault. You know what I mean? Like just uh, it, like they're, they're open discussing like how we got like currency instead of bartering or whatever which so uh and then we go and we tell the story of like three different people who sort of led to the leaking of the panama papers the thing that's weird about the movie is that like it's fictionalized so i'm I'm not really sure how much of any of it actually happened mm-hmm. um masak and Fran- francesa um are two real lawyers who are um, who have like a company that was like kind of at the center of the Panama paper scandal. Um, but you know, 
they're sort of fictionalized. They're like, you know, wearing rhinestone jackets and drinking scotch on the beach and like talking to the camera. Um, and then it seems like this character, um, Meryl Streep's character, whose husband dies in a boating accident, and then she like can't figure out how to get an insurance settlement because like the the company doesn't really exist that the boating company was insured with. Mm-hmm. So she like can't get a settlement out of them. And so she starts to like track down people who are responsible, like what the insurance company is and who reinsured the insurance company. Um, and then, so it's like a little story about the guy who was like running that shell company for the insurance company and then an African billionaire who cheated on somebody and then his shit got exposed and then a Chinese uh, um, like CCP guy who, th- this one I know is true because there's a whole Wikipedia article about it uh, named Bo July, um, who there was like a, a murder of this guy named Neil Haywood who was a... Uh, a businessman who was working with them and he got killed um, by one of their associates and it was a big scandal in China. So it's it's basically like a very, very concise, almost feels like a video essay. Like the movie premiered, I think, on Netflix. And it kind of feels sometimes like an acted out like YouTube video mm-hmm. where to like, it has like screens that go and it's like part like like secret one and then it'll be like the part you know the the like sequence of the movie and then it'll be like secret two this Mm -hmm. happens or whatever um and like like i said they're literally directly talking to the camera like a lot of the time like the narrators are and then at the end literally meryl streep starts talking directly to the camera and saying some of the shit that the the leaker of the panama papers said um so it's interesting it was a fun little movie i'd say so tell me um, about um i'm seeing here there's a controversy section on the wikipedia page <laughs> saying the film is criticized for its use of brown face casting yeah. streep in a secondary role as a panamanian woman called elena Soderbergh acknowledged the controversy, but felt that in the context of the story, the dual role was justifiable. He also felt that as a comedy trope, it was acceptable and compared to Oldman's impression of a German person, that there are different rules for comedy. So I'm looking at a picture of Meryl Streep in this movie. Uh, yeah. So she looks white. She plays the, the, her, the, her main role is the white lady. Um, Oh, and then later but, when she puts on this dark wig and the big nose. Yeah. That's the brown face. Yeah, this is pretty fucked up, actually. <laughs> I'm not super I'm not super cool with this, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... I feel like if I, they didn't put the nose on her, this might have been get away withable. But <laughs> Yeah, the, I, I don't know if I think that they... Like, they didn't darken her skin. She doesn't look dark mm. in the movie. Like, I think calling it brown face is a little strange. Um, 
And I mean, I guess that's what people have problems with, right? Like that's the thing right? is the darkening of the skin. Uh, she's I'd say playing... putting a big goofy nose on her is. So I think the nose is, is supposed to be for, she, you're not supposed to recognize her at the end of the movie. She takes off the disguise. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, it turns out that that character was played by Meryl Streep and Meryl Streep is directly talking to the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the idea is like they hid her in the movie as a different character. And then at the end, Meryl Streep is talking to the camera. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I think it's more about disguising her than making her look specifically like some, as a matter of fact, I'm not entirely sure she's supposed to be panamanian she registered to me as like eastern european Mm. um her like accent is really like eastern european she's also not playing a real person um i don't know i'm not panamanian (laughs) i i don't i don't it didn't it's definitely not mean-spirited or anything Uh, right i i didn't even notice because i didn't know it was meryl streep (laughs) uh so when they when she like takes it all off at the end. Wait, and they reference they reference the organ harvesting of Falun Gong practitioners? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. I was gonna get to that. Isn't that like uh, isn't that fake? just like fake? <laughs> it's fake. It's absolutely fake. I mean the thing about this part is that a lot of the narrators in this movie are so on one hand, I think this movie has like some pretty dumb lib shit in it. Mm-hmm. Um on the other hand, like this part of the movie is told by one of the evil people doing scams and making shell companies and is later shown to be lying and having killed a person <laughs> so, and like uses that story to threaten the person that she kills. Um, so it's very like unreliable narrator stuff. I do think it comes off as like, this is the thing China did. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most generous reading I have of it is that like, it's kind of supposed to be like a lie that a Hong Kong like scammer said. Um, I don't know. I've, I'm pretty conflicted about this movie cause it was like kind of fun, but I don't think it's a really great way to even learn about the Panama papers. <laughs> like, I don't really feel like it told me that much stuff. And I, it really made me feel like I'm just kind of tired of watching stuff that wants me to feel surprised that rich elite people are not following the law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I guess on one hand, I'm like, maybe other people need to know that at some point. Maybe I'm just, you know, one of the weird people who figured that out early. Yeah. But I feel like it's... In, in I don't this think that year, that's a, like... I don't think that's not a mainstream opinion. Right. You know, I, think I don't it, think that, like, point, a random person... At this point, it just kind of feels like... Like, if I just went out on the street today, and I just went to somebody, and I said, like, hey, do you think do you think billionaires are just, by and large, do you think billionaires are following the law? I think probably... Right. 99% of people would say no probably not <laughs> yeah and I mean like I guess what this movie does is like illustrate how uh, 
you are being affected by it like you personally like if this th you know if some tragedy happens to you like what are you going to do about it <laughs> you mm -hmm. know like all of these people are making money off of the suffering of of you personally and people like you personally and i feel like it does do a good job of hammering that home um and that's its main point um but i just feel like it even though it's like a you know it's an hour and a half it doesn't do as good of a job as the big short at like actually explaining what was happening it's still sort of like big fat like technical drops that are like shouted at you mm. but not really explored the way that like the big short does like the big short i thought did a really good job of like showing the scam individually like piece by piece in scenes um and this is like little short films that like are tangentially related to shell companies um and i guess and I guess it's uh, it's not as complicated as The Big Short. It's really just like they're making fake companies to, you know, uh, get out of tax paying taxes, mm -hmm. uh, and that's how this affects you. Um, but I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, I will say it's better directed. Like even watching it, like with like, oh, this is just The Big Short again, but with a different scandal. Right. Um, Steven Soderbergh is just always a better director than whoever else. Like he's just so flaw like um effortlessly talented um that it makes it flow really easy and really easy to watch even though it's basically like three big stories in a row like short films with direct narrating to the camera. Yeah. Definitely, especially compared to um what's his name from the big short? Adam McKay. Adam McKay. Yeah, I mean, just looking at these, I mean, fuck, man. Steven Soderbergh has some He's just real <laughs> ass fucking nice time movies here. Wow. <laughs> oh yeah, Soderbergh is just such a such a under uh, kind of underrated and like just bounces from style to style and then just like swishes every time yeah that's um, a, that's what i would describe these as is swishes right these aren't always <laughs> like um like he's not making like quote great films necessarily like some of these are are on i think the reason why he doesn't get the recognition he deserves probably is because some of this stuff is more on the schlocky side it's more on the like uh uh like crowd pleaser popcorn yeah. so like just like oceans 11 is a perfect example of this where it's like oceans 11 is yeah. a blockbuster movie filled with big name hollywood actors there's no way you're ever going to get respect for making that movie however that movie is a big time swish you know yeah. same thing with he's aaron brockovich nothing but <laughs> net baby what a fucking movie <laughs> he he doesn't he has no qualms about his brand and i've always loved that about him like he's not like i'm the guy who makes pt anderson type films like yeah i make high-minded beautifully shot like i'm not wes anderson i'm not david lynch but he's also not like i only make big blockbusters that are good like he'll go and do shit like like a solaris or uh uh like the girlfriend experience or Che, like he made mm -hmm. a fucking four and a half hour like biopic about 
a revol a communist revolutionary. That's great. Yeah. And then he also made Magic Mike's Last Dance, <laughs> which I hear is also great. Yeah, like my King. Magic Mike. Magic Mike is like it's the best. So it's so good. What and a it, fucking I, I, and 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 it's like a cultural like. Uh, there's three of them. <laughs> yeah, and 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 like everybody likes those, and everybody sees those, and like I don't know, it, it's. It's worth something. Like, like every time I, even when he does a movie that doesn't look like, oh, this just looks like some random airport or like, you know, airplane movie, like you watch it and it's still really good. Like he just doesn't really have really bad movies. So, you know, Laundromat, it's basically like if the big short was directed a little better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I do think it's kind of cringe in places, but like the stories um, are good. Yeah. If you'd be and, talking and about Falun Gong in your movie, you're going to be getting a ding from me. That's a, that's a big time cringe. That's a, uh, that's th- a, that's a ding. <laughs> and I feel like, although I will say like, I've never seen Chinese um, politicians and businessmen handle this humanely. Like, even though some of them are doing bad things, like, it doesn't feel like it's shot exactly as though they were American politicians who were doing corrupt things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like super, this is like uniquely Orientalist, which it always is. And I was surprised by like, it's just like, this kind of politics this kind of political system and the aesthetics of it are normal that's not what's weird here what's weird is the specific person ripping people off um so he it's it it goes both ways i think with this one um but yeah i'll ding it a couple of times uh the ending is embarrassing uh um just like Meryl Streep saying like some dumb America, like we have to reform things. It's like, shut up. Yeah. You should know better than this Soderbergh. You're like, um, the, you're like the cop in Porky's. You're standing in front of their car and you're just like breaking the windows out and just being like, Oh, you're not allowed to drive with that. You brought up Fallon Gong. <laughs> oh, that's going to be another uh, yeah. headlight out. Oh, do, do do that's sm- not road do I ready. Smell? Do I smell drugs? <laughs> Steven Soderbergh, I think I smell drugs. Not to step out of the car. I think I found the tiniest <laughs> little crumb of weed in your back seat, buddy. <laughs> uh oh, look at it. It's on the floor. Um all right. Uh so I don't even know. I don't I don't think I really recommend it. It's fine. Um it, it was interesting to watch. Uh let's get to the, our feature presentation. This is I'm Gonna Get You Sucker, directed by Keenan Ivory Wayans. This being a really early thing, maybe his first film, right? Um, Yes. I believe this was his uh, directorial debut. You're right, yes. Um, And he had sort of cut his teeth uh, acting in some stuff. That's funny. Uh, he was the, a writer on Eddie Murphy Raw. Yeah, he does the he wrote the sketch that opens the movie. Oh, okay. I thought he um, I thought it was going to be like he, <laughs> he wrote did the, the bits. he wrote the he wrote the like uh the like I got to be careful. I see faggots up front. <laughs> <laughs> when I turn around, yeah, he, I can feel it on my ass. 
uh, he did not write uh, Eddie's stand-up. He he just wrote the the intro to the scene. It was much more movie. commonplace back then. To for, to, to do to like have, a little sketch. No, at to the have beginning of to it? have writers for your stand-up. Oh really? Yeah. Huh? Oh, uh, I what's his name? Paul Mooney wrote a lot of Richard Pryor's stand-up. Oh, interesting. Like Richard Pryor's Billy Holiday, and like <laughs> you just <laughs> sing it well. Exactly. Um, yeah. He, Paul Mooney's fucking. You ever see him? He's weird. <laughs> I could see why back then you'd be like, he is really you'd weird. Be like, yeah, we need a much more charismatic guy. <laughs> somebody who doesn't talk like you. Yeah. Somebody who doesn't <laughs> seem like a gay guy, but also an old woman at the same time. Uh, I like Robert, I like that Paul Mooney. I guy. love funny. Paul Mooney. He's the best. Um. So this movie. Uh. So so Keen Ivory. Keenan Ivory Wayans was, you know, cutting his teeth, acting, uh, writing for. He wrote, uh, he co-wrote Hollywood Shuffle. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, directed by Robert Townsend. Um, interesting, pretty interesting movie. Um, and uh, Eddie Murphy was like, "You should make this movie you've been talking about. Uh, you should call it. I'm gonna get you, sucker. It should be about black exploitation." Like he kind of gave him the idea uh, to like actually make this movie that he'd sort of been joking about. And uh, it's his first thing, and it was a surprise hit. Um, it got terrible reviews uh, when it came out, as far as I remember and have read. Uh, but it was—it only cost three million to make, and it made thirteen million, which for like a small, independent, entirely black comedy uh, was a big deal at the time. And. Uh, so he, he kept going and then he became who he is today. Um, so what was your, uh, what's your history with this movie? Had you ever heard of it, seen it? I'd heard of it. I'd never seen it. I'm extremely familiar with it because I used to watch um, Inside the Actors Studio. It was one of my favorite shows in high school. I would watch Mr. it all Lipton. the time. Always watching James Lipton and asking them their, you know, favorite curse words and whatever. And, uh, <laughs> The Chris Rock episode, I always remember, um, you know, Lipton like goes through some of their like iconic roles and like asks them to speak as the characters and whatever. And and uh-huh. one of his iconic roles he brought up for Chris Rock was uh, his extremely tiny little uh, cameo. <laughs> yeah. Not even cameo. This is like this is like one of his first roles that he ever got. One of his first jobs he ever got as the rib guy. Who asked he for wants one, rib. one rib and to <laughs> squirt some soda into his hands for 40 cents. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a funny little it's bit. It's such a funny bit. But he says, like, he's saying how, like, you know, 30 some odd years into his career at this point, or I mean, at that point, it would have been 20 or whatever. But he's like, 20 years into my career, like, I still have people come up to me just being like, how much for one rib? Like, he's like, He's like it's it's insane how much like one really well done, really well acted, funny uh-huh. scene can just like make your career, just completely make it. Like that's an iconic moment for him early in his career that like really makes Chris Rock into what he is. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I know it for. I don't know. Just I didn't that know part. It, yeah, I didn't know anything else about it really. Oh wow! I didn't even know that oh. it was like a black exploitation uh, parody. Parody you know, that that was from. Oh, interesting. So I watched this movie when I was maybe probably like 
seven or eight years old. Um, it was on television. I remember on basic television, like on ABC or, or Fox or something. Like I remember seeing commercials like this Friday, we're showing the classic parody movie. I'm going to get you sucker. And they had like TV credit, like TV titles for it. Um, and uh, I guess it must have been like, you know, 10 years later, five years later. Um, so I remember watching it at least once or twice, mm -hmm. um, but it was on television, so it was edited. So I've never actually seen the movie with the swearing. Um, there isn't much that they had to cut out, I feel like. Like there's there's some swears, but there isn't any nudity. Um, I don't remember there being too much gore. It's really goofy movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a very silly movie. There's not any like too much sexual content or, or swearing. So I've seen most, I had seen most of it, but I saw an edited version. Yeah. On my, uh, my, my wife asked me to, uh, asked me what movie I watched today. And I was explaining to her as it's like if there was a black version of airplane, but yeah. it wasn't soul plane. <laughs> no, it's not so. It's not stupid like Soul Plane. But the, but I mean, it's, it's like, stupid. But it's, it's very stupid. But it's like it's got that sort of like zany, you know, sort of uh, that era of parody movie sort of thing where everything is like just like as screwy as you can get. Get as many jokes in yeah. there, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's completely stupid. Just get them in there. <laughs> get them in there. Get them in there. Yeah, you're gonna miss sometimes. Who cares? Yeah. We're gonna keep going. We're gonna put some more Looney Tunes shit in this. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the movie is uh, about a kid whose name is Jack Spade. I mean, he's an adult man, but he's in the army. Um, his He learns that his brother, Junebug, <laughs> uh, over, which I'm not sure. Is that a slur? It sure thing? is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so something, something we got to talk about right off the bat with this movie is like, there is an awful lot of stuff in here where like, I know it is a black director, black writer, black actors. Every everybody involved is like loud, but there's a lot of stuff in here where I watch it. And I'm like, am I allowed? Is this okay? <laughs> Can I watch this? <laughs> Can I watch this? Can I laugh at this? Am I allowed to talk about this on my little movie show? Hard there to is say. A couple, there is a couple things uh, in the movie that I was like, they want me to laugh at that. That's awful. Like, I felt so bad for, uh, but, you know, it's not made for me. Uh, they want other people to laugh at this. Uh, yeah. And well, boy, so, did they. So his little brother is called Junebug Spade, which is two different, uh, two different slurs, slurs put together. And he dies from wearing too many gold chains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he, the, instead of drugs in this movie, uh, black people get addicted to wearing too many gold chains and they're buying them from a white like conglomerate owner i guess who's mm -hmm. like profiting off of the these people's addiction to gold chains which is and interesting because it's, it's like it, it doesn't need to be gold chains at all because it really it only does one thing which is set up the funny recurring joke where everybody says how does he go to the <laughs> how bathroom, did he go to the bathroom? <laughs> 
Well, I think that's enough because if it was drugs, it's not that funny, you know. Like if he just dies overdosing on heroin, it's just sad. But it's not even but, like they make the joke that often. <laughs> it's just the one joke sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so he comes home to his hometown, which is called Any Ghetto, USA, um, and he uh, feels that. People wearing too many gold chains is a problem in his neighborhood. And he's like, something, something, somebody should do something about this. Um, and we go to through scenes of him trying to figure out who's responsible for this and, and who he can get to help him. And he uh, finds a guy named uh, what John Slade, <laughs> which I guess is just his name because it rhymes. Um, Spade and Slade. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the joke there is. Um, but he finds that he was a sort of a, like a black revolutionary. He's oh, a very well, we get, like. We get scenes of him going to who you would think. He like goes to uh, the black revolutionary headquarters, which that scene is really interesting in retrospect because you have this like Black Panther type guy who basically explains that all of the Black Panthers got corporate jobs mm -hmm. and just like got too poor to do anything and had to do something. So he's just like basically aesthetically like a black nationalist, but like, you know, married a white woman and just has, hangs out in his little apartment, which was like, I, <laughs> I was pretty surprised at that joke. Uh, Cause it's, uh, it's sad, but yeah. really like really on the nose, I think. Uh, are on the money, I should say. Um, so you see him go through like a couple like avenues that don't work that he's like, oh, I thought this person would like want to help out or this person would would have a solution and no one has a solution. Um, so he meets John Slade and talks to him about it. And John Slade is a like uh, a spook who sat by the door-esque, like straight-laced yeah. militant, like not, you know, not in a dashiki, not like, you know, like fist up, you know, brother, soul brother, man, guy, like yeah. none of that sort of shit. He's just like a beret, green coat, and just like very straightforward and to the point on everything. Very obviously feels like a reference to to Spook Who Sat by the Door and that style of black exploitation movie. I feel at least right. Yeah. Um, well, and also I think he's he's sort of a, an amalgam of like Sweetback and uh and I think maybe Spook Who Sat by the Door. Um, because later he like kind of dresses like Shaft. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, and he but has like a he has a group of musicians behind him doing like the yeah. <laughs> um and so but he's an interesting guy because it's like it's not about the aesthetic it's and it's interesting to see in like 1988 when this movie was released like that there must have been some sort of like distrust of people who were like aesthetically like Africa pan-africanism mm -hmm. stuff but not a violent revolution <laughs> yeah because like, i think you that, had to prove yourself in a certain way i think you have um you you have around that era like the the native tongues thing starting to really take off and you have like a lot of sort of this like aesthetic black nationalism that starts popping up in hip-hop music 
Um, where, I mean, a lot of it is extremely like real and, and poignant, like, you know, public enemy 1989 is, is, you know, it's, this is, this is the time of public enemy. Right. And, and, and that shit is, nobody is going to go to Chuck D and be like, you're fake, you know, but like in the funk, but there's definitely a lot of stuff that starts popping up around then where I could totally imagine at the time being like, I don't know if these guys are serious or if they just realized like a couple of these guys are making money and they can kind of look like that too. Right. So we get, we go to Slade and Slade is like, I I can't, he's not like I'm retired. He's just like, Oh, your mama was hot and uh, sure. Let's go do this. And so they sort of get a team together and uh, he goes and finds uh, Isaac Hayes and uh, uh, Jim Brown who are hammer and slammer. They run the rib store together. Uh, he finds their friend uh, Kung Fu Joe <laughs> uh, and Fly Guy. He was in, who's just getting out of prison. Who was a pimp. And all of these have funny, very silly intros, and they're different types of like black exploitation guys. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, there's the pimp guy who's just a super fly reference. His name is Fly Guy. <laughs> Kung Fu Joe is a is a karate black exploitation kind of guy one of my favorite things in this sequence is uh in in fly guys like flashback when we do the pimp of the year awards and he <laughs> does like a poetry reading <laughs> oh yeah and then they, they like give him a they give an award for being so cool <laughs> yeah it's like he gets like a crown and like they have the the music swelling behind him it's like it's him it's the pimp of the year <laughs> Yeah, it's like the I think you should leave sketch. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and then his his poem kept reminding me of the Rihanna song because he literally is just like, yeah, bitch, bitch better, better have, have my, my money. <laughs> I was I like, know, did she get funny, that like, from this? You're supposed to be laughing at it, but then you're like, this would be like a pretty good song. <laughs> it is a good song. <laughs> um, and then he gets out of jail and he's dressed in ridiculous over the top print pimp clothes and everyone laughs at him and i found that part kind of sad i know you're supposed to laugh at him but i was like people do get out of jail don't know what (laughs) i don't know yeah Uh, he just like seemed sad um but anyway so they all get together and they i guess uh parallel to this jack is kind of in love with his uh brother's ex or I guess widow. Um, yeah. And they're sort of like having a fun, slow romance thing. Um, and that's silly too, in many ways. Um, and then they, functionally the story is just that they go and they, they attack the, uh, the cops sh- shoot Kung Fu Joe for no reason. Yes. Um, great. And then- great scene. Cause he like, <laughs> he has this like really beautiful, fun, like, black exploitation kung fu sort of scene where he like fights this guy and beats him and whatever and then all these other cops show up and he's like let me get this straight you guys are gonna come for me with these hands and like he like really starts to like get ready for like what you think is gonna be just like this big epic fight between him and all the guys and then they all just shoot <laughs> it reminded <laughs> me like, of um, in in um uh indiana jones no 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 no. uh uh in the one we watched two weeks ago um coonskin coonskin in coonskin when you have that great sequence of the guy like doing the whole poem to the to the miss america 
and he's just like he's like really oh, yeah. spitting it really well and she's just like so like into it and then he like comes up to her and you think it's gonna like work out for him and then she's like rape <laughs> and then he just gets hung instantly <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it's really dark but it- I mean, wonderfully he doesn't die somehow because it's looney tunes because it's looney um, tunes nobody dies he's just like he's literally just like full of holes and then he's fine later yeah um but isaac just, hayes like does a fun like neo in the matrix gear up shot where he like covers himself in all the guns or whatever and everyone's making fun of him and then he just like slips on a bullet and they all just go <laughs> off and shoot him yeah and he just has to sit it out he's like all right we'll we'll be back for you later and he's live later and then slade Um, like ostensibly like the second lead of the movie is like he has like a dynamite stick that he's gonna like he has some plan to like throw it through the window or something and he's kind of like careening down the side of the building and just blows himself up (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and then uh and then he, uh, so they go and they, they attack Mr. Big's warehouse. Uh, there's a lot of funny jokes. Um, um, there's one that slam- kind of really. Slammer's, uh, oh, sorry, Slammer's foot has a bunion and he can't go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack gets a splinter and he has a fun like screaming moment. Oh, yeah. He does um, like the like cauterizing the wound thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably the joke I remembered the most, where I just always think about that anytime I get a splinter. Uh, Doing like the Rambo, like cauterizing your wound, but it's just a little splinter. Um, And then they finally get to Mr. Big, and uh, they shoot him in the head. (laughs) And he says, I got you, sucker. Yeah, this one kind of falls a little flat, though, because the joke is that, I guess, John Vernon is like a big star or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know uh-huh. who he really is. I mean, it seems like he's got a very big filmography. He, he, yeah. He's the mayor in Dirty Harry. He's uh he he I I don't know if he is a big star though. I feel like he's just like the guy who does like a certain kind of thing. Like, yeah, but the a, joke when they get to him is like uh um Spade is like he's like wait, I thought you were, and like, you're, you're thinking like he's going to say black because you meet his like <laughs> nephew and his nephew is black and like everybody oh, else yeah. is black. And so he's about to say, I thought you were black. And then, um, uh, Mr. Big John Vernon says like, finishes his sentence saying too big for this role. <laughs> like, There's a lot of established actors who do, uh, exploitation movies sometimes. And then they go through a couple of, them. Um, yeah uh he's a he i guess he's a big actor but i mean like he was in i think this same year i think he was in killer clowns from outer space Mm. uh he's not like below he's not above this kind of thing i mean he was in animal house he was in airplane 2 the sequel um but yeah he was i guess like uh he was on mission impossible he was in Bonanza. Like he, he, I think he was just like a pretty famous guy at the time. Uh, from he's in Gunsmoke. Um, seems like an just a bit too old for us. Yeah, to really know who he was. But he, this must have been like I don't know John Voight being in the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a guy who you definitely know, but like, is this role too big for a three million dollar movie? You know what I mean? <laughs> um. 
but yeah, I, 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 there's definitely stuff that has aged poorly because it's from 1988, and I don't, I'm not, I'm too young for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they, they, he gives them his whole spiel, and then they, uh, they kill him. Yep. And then uh, everyone lives happily ever after. Well, he gets, uh, he gets the, he gets saved in the end by the pimp. Yeah, yeah. And then it's also, it's, uh, so (laughs) like, he comes in and one of the two bad guys is like holding the girlfriend hostage and he's like, I gotcha. And he like holds the gun up to him. And then Mr. Big comes in and he's like, no, I got you drop your weapon. And then, uh, right. And then finally the pimp comes in with like the tiniest, funniest, tiny little gun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but doesn't Slade does kill him? Finally. I believe He's the so. One who yeah, kills, kills uh-huh. him right. And yeah. then they do the the joke one more time of you can leave down, you can leave at the stairs or the window. Yeah. And he says, "Fuck all y'all!" And then he jumps out of the window, out of the window. and dies. Apparently, uh, that that's not his cousin, right? It's the other guy, right? Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Oh, that's Damon Wayans. That's Leonard. Um. Damon Wayans is funny in this movie. Uh, there's a ton of little... Uh, er, the whole movie, I just kept um, thinking about Prim's hood cinema. Mm-hmm. Just like being like, oh, hey, that's David Allen Greer. He all-star. He all-star. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's that's Robert Townsend. He all-star. Uh, like tons of them. Just like there's tons of little like character actors and, and, uh, and black actors just like have walk-on parts, little bit parts. Um, and that's fun. I liked seeing all of them in the movie. Um, I like this movie. I, I think it's a really funny yeah, movie. There's I, I a ton too. of little bits. It's hard to review this movie because it's it's a, it's a kind of varies on if you think this kind of movie is funny. Like, if you don't like Airplane <laughs> uh, and you don't like that style of just like Looney Tunes, zany like doesn't have to make sense it's just like the dumbest thing you can think of over and over again um you won't like this um but if you do like this kind of comedy i thought it was um a really interesting little time capsule time and place of like you know this is like pre rodney king uh but like it just really feels like it's made for a very specific audience. And it's interesting that it kind of launched so many people's careers. Yeah. Um, but like Jeanette Dubois, Dubois is in this, uh, Isaac Hayes and Jim Brown are really fun in this movie, referencing each other's careers. Isaac Hayes, you get to hear Isaac Hayes sing all shitty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I had a good time with it. I, I was surprised that it aged so well. Yeah, definitely. Much better time with this than I would have expected from a parody of a genre of movie that I'm not super familiar with from a time <laughs> period that I'm not alive in. Um, yeah. I, I was surprised how much I liked this. I would definitely give this the old recommend. Yeah, I give it a recommend. I mean, I think it's... Uh, you know one thing that was that was... I feel like it sometimes subverted my expectations uh, without, like it didn't make the cheapest joke it could. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a couple, I'm trying to think of an example, um, but it wasn't always like, 
oh, this person is Chinese or whatever. There's um, no, there's no like shit fart jokes, really. There's one, and it's really funny when it happens. <laughs> uh, the I think it's like, oh, the guy. It's when um, they're out. the The cousins are shooting down from the um, the 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 building, and they hit a pedestrian. Mm. And the woman and the woman he was proposing to is like, "Well, I'm going to take the ring out of his pocket." And then they like, he's like, "Oh, well, if you don't mind." And then he like takes that body as a human shield and <laughs> runs toward them. And then when he drops the corpse, it farts. <laughs> <laughs> and that one, <laughs> it's the only like fart joke in the whole movie, and it's so funny. Um, David, um, Jack Spade has uh is like this this woman wants to have sex with him and then oh yeah you're like thinking that it's gonna be like that she's trans or whatever yes definitely what i was thinking yeah i was like oh it's the 80s of course she'll be a man or whatever and then she just like takes her wig off and then like her leg comes off (laughs) yeah she takes her wig off (laughs) and then she takes her teeth out and she takes her foot off and like just like everything about her is a prosthetic. Oh no, she takes her tits off and her butt off, and like oh yeah, which is like the same joke, but I don't know. It's like it's more absurd. Like they always yeah. choose the more absurd, less mean joke, even though it's nineteen eighty eight. And especially because the setup for that is that uh, is that Spade lies about having a twelve inch dick, and he gets it. He's like, listen, I gotta come clean with you. It's not really twelve inches. And she's like, oh, that's. What a relief. Well, I have to come clean with you, too. And she just, like, disassembles her body. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a body, actually. I feel like in a, in, a, in a higher budget version of this movie, like, that would have been a body horror. Like, she would have, like, taken her jaw off, and it's just, like, yeah, goop yeah. all, like, in there and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it it does seem like they're held back sometimes by their budget they only but but they clearly want to do stuff like that well not only because of you know what they go on to do in scary movie but like also because they have <laughs> they have uh jim brown like have like a weird huge like muppet prosthetic on his toe at the end of the mm-hmm. movie <laughs> to like represent a bunion uh and that's really strange um they also do it in, in Don't Be a Menace, um, which he also directed. Um, but it's cool. I, I, I think it's a really interesting, like, we can do this for black audiences and kind of do inside jokes. And I think people really resonated with it at the time because um, it's a movie that, like, is like, you know, there is a problem and there is one thing to do, which is kill the rich guy (laughs) um and you know the and and the cops um but it's like not too like political either like it's not trying to be like it's not trying to make a point really it like has that perspective but it's just more about making you laugh so yeah i recommended it i'll recommend it it's a it's it's pretty funny yep given given to the old wreck check it out folks Thanks for making us watch that Dark Council. Uh, next week we will. Ha- they are going to make us watch the last exploitation film, which they've decided is Crank High Voltage, 
Um, Don't know so how I've that's se- an exploitation movie, but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> well, I've seen Crank, and the more I think about it, it kind of is an exploitation movie. Have you ever seen Crank? No. Oh. I don't even know what it really is. I highly recommend watching both of them. I, I'm sure you probably won't, but they're <laughs> the first. The first one is awesome. It's really good, um, and I've heard two is even more insane. Uh, so we will have to see what you think. Honestly, it might be interesting if you don't, because I've seen the first one like six times. I love it. Um, so we'll get there next week on Generation Lost. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. If you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss, where you will get a bonus episode every week. And if you are on the Sopranos tier, you will be able to vote on which TV show you we watch each month after we finish the Sopranos, of course. And if you want to go real crazy, you can join the Dark Council and tell us what we're going to watch for a whole month on the regular episodes. You can also get Discord access where we hang out and I think we're not watching the movies for a little while until we figure out what's going on mm-hmm. with Discord. Our person who was handling that has said that Discord is now recording what you do in the voice chat. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it's stuff like this uh, that was causing <laughs> them to maybe crack down on it. So we're going to try and figure out something else. Uh, but we're going to try and show you the movie. It's a fun time. Either way, we'll talk about all kinds of good stuff in there. Um yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at GenLostPod. You can follow us individually from there. And until next time, that's movies. Yeah.